This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, should we do away with food expiry dates? Professor Sylvain Charlebois, researcher and professor at food distribution, food policy, Dalhousie University, tells us if expiration dates are still valid, accurate, or if they're becoming a dated practice. Ryan wrote that's very well done. Summer is also almost over, but there's still time to go camping on game showy, camping trivia just for fun all across Canada. Plus, are you okay with Alexa and more on the Shift Daily Podcast? This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with... My brain right there failed me. Are you okay with Alexa? I don't know. It's nice for music. Alexa, play this while I'm in the shower. Or Alexa, where's my stuff? Like the really simple stuff, it's cool, but I still haven't subscribed to the like smart my entire home i don't think i have the need I do like for that. that when i walk yeah. up the stairs come up by the office and mine is of course the siri and my command is turn on the shift scene so um then all of a sudden my studio uh here lights up with all of the the lights that i use for the for the shift show so that's handy the hands are full i got coffee snacks water stuff like that so i find that handy yeah, there. Uh, when I used to work the reception desk out here at Chorus Radio Vancouver, there was a Alexa out there to play the radio stations. Um, and a producer used to every day walk out as they were leaving and um, tell Alexa to tell a really long story or explain like intense dynamic theories. Um, where Alexa would go on and on, and I couldn't shut her up. Like, I just couldn't shut <laughs> her up. And this producer would just laugh and go down the elevator and leave. And then Alexa would be chatter- chattering away for five or six minutes with me. So. Wow. Well, whether it's Alexa or other devices, right? We've yelled at them for all kinds of reasons. Uh, Alexa, tell me the temperature. Alexa, how many days to Christmas? If you have an Alexa in the background right now, it's probably losing its mind. Alexa, tell me a joke. You know, important things in life. Now, over the pandemic, many kids were stuck at home, left to entertain themselves, which meant Alexa had a lot of requests for poop. Now, poop is funny. It's a funny word for toddlers, right? I mean, we all giggle a little bit when we hear the word poop. There's something about it. Alexa fulfilled their request, though, as she should. Joey Helpish is well aware that kids using Alexa may be the main source of plays for his ukulele-tinged hit, poopy stupid butt <laughs> and it's helped him make several hundred dollars in the process it won't make brendan kelly's new music monday playlist but it is catchy poopy stupid butt pizza eating boats legos building toilets tv's pooping on a coat oh poopy Interesting. That's Joey Helpish's YouTube channel, to give him credit. I wouldn't say that it's out of the realm of possibility for New Music Monday. I liked it. Uh, well, <laughs> um, 
Okay. With no reason to think the poopy requests are going to ever slow down, songs like this will continue to rake in the dollars, and good on them for having the creativity to choose a topic that is getting asked for by the kiddos. Are you okay with trees? Trees. Christmas trees. trees I love Christmas trees. Is that your favorite kind of tree? I think every tree is potentially a Christmas tree. It just needs a little love and needs some yeah. you know, little it's decoration. Looking at it, I have to go. I if I had to pick a favorite tree, though, I, I think I'd go cherry blossom tree uh, for that. Like you know, what what a couple weeks, three for days of pink. Like that yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's but windy. Uh, uh, if I had to, more common like the big redwood trees that you oh, see yeah. in Endor and Star Wars, like the massive mm-hmm. trees, those are pretty cool. Or Northern California. You don't have to go to Endor. Mm-hmm. You just go, just it's, go to it's, it's Northern California is nothing. Endor, that's... Cathedral so. Grove, man. <laughs> Vancouver Island. That's the place to go. You got to see those ones. Those are unbelievable um, how big they are. You know, when I was on my uh, retreat this summer, I spent a lot of time looking at the forest. There was these beautiful Adirondack chairs overlooking the yard and these and this forest in front of you. And this is totally hippie, but I mean, that's what that whole week was. Yeah. It was probably four or five days that I sat there staring at the forest before I started looking at the individual trees inside the forest. You could tell which ones had grown a lot in the last couple of years, how every tree was different. And I know that's totally hippie. I get it. But I got to tell you, it was amazing to sit and see the trees inside the forest. There's a lot to look at. You could spend a lot of time looking at all the individual trees because we look at it as a forest right we don't individually look at them as trees and i get it when i say that i even feel silly when i say it but i loved it i absolutely loved it so that was cool uh trimming a tree can be a tall task quite literally so getting some friends to help is a great idea but that doesn't change the fact that it's still dangerous a man from the tri-state area faced the dangers of tree trimming just in a rather unexpected way 20-year-old Austin Bellamy was tree-trimming branches with his grandmother and uncle below when he unknowingly cut off a bee's nest. Now, the bees were, weren't were too happy with that, and so he was stung by the bees 20,000 times, and he just woke up from his coma. Since Friday, Shauna Carter has been fielding calls, family and friends asking how her 20-year-old son Austin is doing. If you see his head and his neck, his arms, you know, his mouth, his airways and stuff, they left the marks, that's for sure. Austin was harnessed up in a tree helping a family friend cut down some limbs when he mistakenly cut into a beehive. He was just covered in bees, screaming, yelling, crying for help, um, trying to trying to hoist himself down until, you know, they just took him over and he couldn't, he couldn't see. She says the bees stung him 20,000 times all over his body, including his eyes, ears, nose, and mouth. He ingested about 30 bees. Um, they was actually sucking the bees out of his airway um, still Saturday night, Sunday morning. Shauna says a Ripley EMT saved his life by getting him down and putting a trach in. Initially, he was in a coma, but is now awake and showing signs that he will make a full recovery. Can we just take a second and rewind back to the comments? That's from WCPO9. They're still sucking bees out of his airway and that he got stung inside his mouth and his throat. (laughs) You know, over the weekend, a guy I was camping with swallowed one wasp. One. (sighs) And the, the sound he made will never leave my brain. And so to think that he, this guy 
30. Unbelievable. Well, not to make light of anything, but was it similar to Doug Ford's sound when he swallowed his? No, Doug Ford was kind of like a, <clears throat> this guy was like a, <clears throat> you know, like no. he, he was trying to get it out. But Doug Ford just, yum. All it makes it. me think of is when I get a mosquito bite on my ankle, like I complain. Like that's the yeah, terrible place for a mosquito bite, right? Horrible. Probably not as bad as your inside of your esophagus for a bee sting. Oh. Ooh. Man, okay, so just so you know, this is what happened. He he suffered kidney failure as a result of the attack. He's going to be okay. Uh, he had a trachea a tracheotomy, the, the, the thing in his mouth so he could breathe because the bees were in there. And then he, um, but he's now awake from his coma and doing okay. That's, that's, that's new level bad day. Just saying. And he was harnessed up in a tree when it happened. So he still had to get down somehow from all of that. Oh, man. That makes me feel uncomfortable and kind of weird. This is the Shift Podcast. Well, we've had this conversation on the Shift before. We need to do it again. We will get to it shortly. Best before... Or as my dad would say, it doesn't say bad after. So we're going to talk about food in just one sec. Joining us from Dalhousie University, Sylvain Charlevoix is here on the shift. Most importantly, Sylvain, let's get down to the most important topic of the day. Uh, did you finish Breaking Bad? I did. And I did. Okay, so I did too. So we've had this debate. Yes. If it's an amazing show, best show ever, good show, bad show. Uh, trying to not do too many spoiler alerts, but... Uh, how does how does Breaking Bad lad for you? Well, I I, I gotta say, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of The Sopranos. I've always been a big fan of The Sopranos. I, I've been grieving since the end of The Sopranos, so I was looking for you know, an escape, and uh, you know, Breaking Bad really uh, did the job. I mean, I really mm-hmm. was entertained. It was only five seasons, really, but it was um, I don't know about you, Shane, but it was emotionally draining by the end. Mm-hmm. You just wanted, to, mm-hmm. you know, to finish as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But I was very, very impressed. I think the cast, the casting, it was was brilliant. Uh, not surprised that there's actually a follow up with uh, Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you that- started it yet? I started, yeah, the first season. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I just started the second season, so we're gonna have to talk about yeah, that too. And, uh, you know, but I, but really great, great. But it's it wasn't as good as The Sopranos. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's not. And I I I think that the the Breaking Bad is a very good show. I don't think that it was it, like it was a very good show, and it is absolutely worth it to watch it front to back. Yeah. But I didn't think it was like this world-ending new benchmark of a show. I didn't. I was like, there was just too many holes that were left, and but. I mean, is it worth it? I still encourage people to watch it. It's so good. Very entertaining. But I didn't find... Better Call Saul, mind you, could be um, a, a benchmark in shows. Like, that is a whole new level yeah, over Breaking is, Bad, absolutely. in my opinion. And the buildup, I mean, you're, you're in the second season, so there, there's a bit of a... There's a lengthy buildup uh, with mm-hmm. Better Call Saul because they're re, re... Basically, it's a prequel to Breaking Bad, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's well done. And, and frankly, uh, that... That quality of television, I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm not I, a big TV yeah, guy either. Do you watch a lot of shows? Uh, no, Shane? no, 
No, I don't. It's it's basically this. You know, I, Ryan had said you got to watch this. I tried to watch it. I didn't like it at first. Tried it again. I was like meh, and then I tried it this time. And I I sort of said here on the shift that this. It, I don't think they realized what they had. I knew they, I think they had lightning in a bottle that they were like, we've got something special here. But I don't think they figured it out until about the third season. And then by the time they were like, oh, we better wrap this up. I think they kind of lost it a little bit again. Mm. Um, but it just, it, it, it was very, very good. Better Call Saul. I think they've taken all of that learning from the first show and the slow cooker of the characters you can see the unraveling start to happen right from the beginning. And I think they've done a much better job with that one. So yeah. anyway, I was excited to ask you that. No, you no, weren't no, quite done yet when I, I was done. I know, and you did. You did uh, and, and thank you so much for not uh, you know, spoiling anything for me. So I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> well, it is, it is looking a little obvious that you haven't been listening to The Shift in the last few weeks. So you're exposing yourself a little bit here because we did talk about it on the air. It would have ruined the ending for you. But <laughs> I didn't listen on purpose. <laughs> There, there you go. Thank you so much. You told, actually, right. you told me not to listen to your show. I did tell you. Yeah. I specifically said, don't listen to the shift because we're going to talk about it. I think you had four or five episodes left. Yeah. Um, okay, so man, Charlebaugh, you're the food guy. You do all the food, the economics, and all the things. And um, there was a piece that um, really got taken all over the place. I mean, you've been on CNN and stuff lately. This is really great. The... Uh, the best before dates has become a conversation because there are places in the world that are taking them away. Yep. Uh, I have my opinions on maybe why this is, but can you allow us some insight of what's starting to happen? Because different areas are, are taking them off. Yeah. Over the summer, I mean, we learned that uh, White Rose uh, in uh, the UK was uh, eliminating best before dates. That was after Morrison's back in January. Tesco did it in 2018. So people start to call us, Shane, uh, at the lab saying, Sylvain, can can we do this in Canada? I mean, it looks like if you get rid of best before dates, we may actually reduce food waste. Now, that's one debate that uh, I don't think is uh, remains unresolved. But the concept of limiting best, best before dates is an interesting one in Canada. So we just basically... Uh, Surveyed people, work with Angus Reed, our partner, only to realize that, wow, there's a lot to unpack here beyond just the concept. Of, I mean, we have to talk about food waste. You have to talk about prices, what would happen to prices, what would happen to the Enjoy Tonight deals, what would, it, what, would it, what would happen to food safety in general in Canada. So I actually – it's one of those weather balloon airports reports we j- just sent out not knowing exactly what was going to happen but a lot of there was there was a lot of reaction to our report yeah and so it goes into like you said i didn't even think of the uh you know have it tonight specials you see those at the store you're you know like have it tonight save five bucks on a steak and yeah. you're like perfect and some people they'll just take that and freeze that as long as they freeze it right away right exactly. like exactly so there, you know, so there's that. I go to the business side of it always too, which is, does insurance come into this? Where it's like, uh, you got to make sure that you don't expose yourself for food going bad, or, um, you know, plus there's the food waste part. Um, I would say that it go to the other business side of it. If I was a food manufacturer, it is quite possible that I'm better off. If uh, maybe I play a little bit of the greed here and let's slide the best before date up a little bit, because that means you're probably going to toss it and come buy some new ones, you know, like, 
we would be silly to not think that that hasn't happened in the background. So there is an awful lot going on here. Is it better to know? Is it better to not know? And especially in the conversations you hear about some of these discount stores that are selling things that might be a little bit later, a little long in the tooth yeah, no, um, exactly. for, for a deep discount. I, I mean, uh, food, where do we land on Food it? retailing without dates would be an interesting concept in my view because we're all – we're we're all looking for food when we go to the grocery store. We're also well, we're also looking for time. I mean, you're mm. always gonna buy that latest date. It's, I mean, you're gonna. I, I every time I go into a grocery store, I see arms reaching out at the end of the yeah. shelf. You know, to get as far the, back in the milk as you can, right? Exactly, because you're buying time, and and so which is fine. But with no dates, like where are your where are your point of reference? I mean, how do you how does that work? And so. In England, I know that there are complaints about food prices. People are starting to realize, well, with no dates, uh, prices are going up. All the products are priced the same. Uh, consumers are not incentivized to become food rescuers, for example. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a lot of that going on. And, of course, this whole debate about food waste, I, I do question it. So in the literature, it does mention, well, 65% of Canadians actually do throw out unopened food packages past the best before date, which means we're wasting food we shouldn't. But if you actually eliminate the date, does it mean that we'll throw less food? I'm not sure. I, I think I think that question requires further investigation in my view. Has the European companies that have done this, are they still putting a manufactured date on their stuff? Some of them do, yes, and some of them don't. Uh, they do limit the number of products that are subject to this new policy. It varies anywhere between 300 to 500, but it's all perishable, Shane. It's it's really dairy, really? meat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huh. See, that's that's fascinating to me. I mean, I... And by the there, way, there best of four this, dates is yeah. based on zero science. Zero yeah, it's just, science. It's just an estimate. This is very, that was very close to the camera, by the way. Um, the the but that's that's the thing, right? Is that there is it's arbitrary. It's just basically like what is your standard? So if again, back to business selfishness here, that if I want to deliver the best orange juice ever, I know that my orange juice is probably going to taste the best here. There's nothing wrong with it afterwards. That's right. But I know that in the first two weeks, it really is the best based on the science and the preservatives and the everything else that we've put into it. So my quality of my brand matters on that, which is, again, a little greedy versus, hey, perfectly good orange juice for three more months after you buy it. No, exactly. So, and, and let's face it, in Canada... The food safety culture is very, very strong. Let me give you an example, Shane. Starbucks, a very well-known mm. coffee chain, in the United States, when I've they're done them. with the day, all the rest, the food, unsold food, will be actually repurposed and given to charities, given to different mm. groups here and that, so they actually don't waste any food. In Canada, they're not allowed to. They have to throw, they have to throw everything into the bin. Yeah. Hmm. So hmm. in terms of regulations, we have a long way to go in Canada because people are scared. In fact, we saw it in our report. Three Canadians out of four absolutely want dates to remain. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe we're just using the wrong words. Maybe best before is not the word, right? I think, uh, I mean, your your dad, I think, is right. I mean, to suggest, to complete the, the sentence, 
best before, uh, not bad after, or something like that. Like, yeah, I think we're going to have to work on the nomenclature here, but the nomenclature yeah. currently, as it stands, really entices people to really throw things out, that, and they shouldn't. But of course, not everyone can afford to take risks. Uh, I mean, my father is 80 years old. His immune system is compromised. I don't think I would want him to drink and eat anything. Uh, I mean, it's right. I don't think he can actually read the pen before date. Well, there's that. But remember when the grocery stores were getting caught putting a new sticker on top of the old sticker yeah. with a new date on it because it hadn't sold yet. I mean, so that just goes to lend towards how arbitrary that could be and dangerous to some people i'm sure based oh, yeah. on what they like to consume and and i i, I don't know like it the, it's the the amount of food that that gets passed off to food banks right some of that is helpful yeah. uh, but not all of it can do that and and um you know you've got you could probably take this into homelessness because when you've got these businesses that are throwing the food in the bin, that would certainly attract people that are hungry. So why wouldn't they go looking in certain areas of town where there's more food, more restaurants? That's a thing. And we talked about shelflation a few months ago where even I, I buy, you know, uh, English cucumbers. It's a, it's one of those things that's always in my fridge. I like to put it in salads and stuff like that. Some of them are going bad in four or five days where they used to last two, three weeks. Right, the stuff that's been sitting on the truck. So even if we go backwards in time through COVID and the amount of product that has been just delayed getting to where it needs to go with no dates on it, that would, I mean, that could have really, really caught a lot of people. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So there's, there, I think there's lots to look into. Uh, in fact, actually, I don't think as a lab, we're not done. Uh, I was actually just talking to my food policy class this afternoon and uh, we're actually going to be looking into this further and see you know just how things would look like hypothetically in Canada without a best before date and and so yeah we're going to be uh, interested in, in seeing more results how people will react and uh, and do some some case studies here and there uh, of people with no dates and, and see exactly how they're assessing risks themselves because in the UK that's basically what's going on uh, grocers are basically telling people, you know what, you are the most important risk managers in the entire food chain, and so you are responsible to manage your own risk yourself. Use the sniff hmm. tests as much as possible. Well, and that's the truth. I, it does bring up for me a couple of things. It brings up, you know, the the exposure that people have to to things going bad. Um, we have. Uh, inflation pressure right now. Yeah, people are keeping things around a little bit longer. But that's why I we're mean, talking about it right now because inflation is really putting a lot of pressure on people for sure. And people are going to try things that extra day or two later. At the same time, we can get into food manufacturing and the fact that there are so many more preservatives in the world today. That um, well, with my wife some- cooking, to be honest, Shane, between you and I, one day or two doesn't matter. Doesn't make a difference. <laughs> well, but I look at some of the food here. I mean, first of all, your science, your the bias. If you ask any of the dads, any of this in the in Canada, all the dads are just eating whatever's left over from the fridge anyway. So, like, you can't take that away because what are the dads going to do? It's funny you mentioned it, Jane, because statistically there is a difference between men and women and young and old, too. Uh, so that's it. So, demographically, we do see a difference between men, women, and, and age. Those are yeah. those are major determinants. Yeah. The willingness to eat out of the, uh, <laughs> out of the leftover bin, right? Exactly. 
Oh, well, this is fascinating. I mean, my biggest question, I think, for everybody is, you know, do you subscribe to Best Before Dates, really, that we're going to ask the audience? Yep. And the phone number is 877-399-9898. And, and is it possible, though? Do you think it's possible? Or is it, you said, like, nomenclature. Do we need to change the words around to make sure that we are more accurate in what this date means? Or maybe there needs to be a disclaimer on the packaging that says, hey, by the way, uh Stephen HR came up with that date because we couldn't, you know, like there's no science behind this. <laughs> no, ex- well, I mean, it's uh, it's a point. It, like I said, it's a point of reference. Uh, is it possible to do in Canada? Well, first of all, our, our food safety governance in Canada is super complicated. You have the feds, provinces and municipalities, uh, which regulates uh, retail. So a lot of people need to get involved with the conversation in, in this conversation. And, and on the other side, politically is their support. I mean, we clearly ask Canadians, would you want Best Before Dates to disappear to save, to reduce food waste? And the answer is clearly no. So I think we have a long way to go before we actually copy our friends on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, Is it as simple as having mandatory packaging labeling that says this item was manufactured on September 1st? We want you to know that it is the freshest in the first two weeks. If refrigerated I, properly, it could last a month. Like, do we do? Do you put that stuff on the packaging? You'd be you'd be shocked. I mean, so so with perishables, I think I think probably that would be the best way to do it. But for shelf stable products, uh, the threshold is ninety days. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, people can actually go with that date and and perhaps we can change the the language but there is there is abuse out there shane to be honest uh, i mean you got best before dates on on sugar on salt on honey yeah. do we really need to see dates on those products they, they're never going to go bad i mean these dates right. are useless because mm-hmm. honey you can actually eat honey a hundred years from now and you'll be fine <laughs> plan obsolescence for food my man <laughs> well, and that's really what it is. That's that greedy part, right? Like, hey, by the way, if we put this data on, they're going to come back. And if you're if you're providing iodized salt, I mean, like you're not creating a very interactive, active business model. It's kind of like a painter. This is one thing I've never understood about painters for houses, because if you paint the house properly you really don't need to come back for a bunch of years. Yeah. Like there's no reason to be in touch with that customer for a long time. That's not a good, that's a, that's a constantly connecting with new customers business model. That seems like an awful lot of work to me. If I'm selling table salt, you're not coming around very often. <laughs> so you don't care about my brand. You're not going to do it. So why wouldn't I want to try to encourage you to come back sooner? Right? Exactly. And so, but uh, yeah, the, the food industry needs to kind of, probably use uh, this tool with some precaution because uh, I think there's going to be more criticism being thrown at it as a result of, of some of the abuse that we're seeing out there because, I mean, with when, when food inflation is at 2%, they can get away mm-hmm. with it, but not at 10 Right. No. no. People can't afford to be so reckless, right? Exactly. Um, fascinating stuff. Sylvain Charlois is with uh, Dalhousie University, and I want to acknowledge you, by the way, and this is, uh, you don't know what this is. Uh, <laughs> surprise. Surprise! Um, one of the things that Sylvain doesn't ever talk about is that he does uh, write a little bit, and um, 
and he does do some proceeds and stuff to food banks and, and you do all kinds of little work like this in the background. So for people who don't know what, what you get up to, um, you do have a, a, a new book that that's just out. It is the, uh, the protein revolution. It is en Francais, uh, just so you know, and it is for, it is, um, you know, uh, investing in your community, uh, out there. But if you do want la revolution des proteins, um, I'm, I'm just playing with my, my really bad English, uh, accent. Um, but the, you do a lot of this stuff too. And I just, I really wanted to acknowledge that, you know, you've written other books. I think this is your seventh, seventh yeah. question mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, that you do this stuff in the background and you do help out in all kinds of ways around food and nobody talks about that part of you. And I think that's really important that we acknowledge that work that you do in the background too, because that's really helpful. Oh, thanks. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. The, uh, the, the cop- copyrights are owned by the publisher and uh, they have the rights to, uh, to get, get it published in English. So hopefully it will get published in English. I actually wrote that book in French while I was uh, a visiting scholar at the uh, of South Florida this winter and um yeah so proceeds will go to to food banks in in the province of quebec but i mean shane i i do care a lot about about uh food banks i'm on the board of second harvest in toronto which is the biggest largest uh, food rescuing agency in the country uh, i yeah well, listen we're privileged <laughs> we're privileged i mean we have we have food we have a shell we have shelter uh, we're mm-hmm. lucky. Uh, we won the lottery of life. I have healthy kids, so it, we can afford to take care of other people. And so when I when I write a book, proceeds will go to food banks. When I when I do a gig uh, somewhere in Canada, uh, proceeds the 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 honorarium actually goes to to food banks as well. So I'm always I'm always happy to do that because you know there's so many people suffering right now. Uh, it's very we can't rely on the on the government to shell out millions and millions of dollars to help food banks uh that has to stop so somebody else has to pick it up and i'm glad that i'm part of that cohort of people who are who, uh, who is willing to or willing to help out this uh food rescuing uh economy and food banks and i and i'm a big believer in food banks yeah, well, and, and and it seems true to the integrity of what you live into every day, and making sure that everyone uh, has access to to good food that serves them. But not only that, the information on how to make the best decisions they can around food. Yeah, and that's so important. And and these are the kinds of these are the real conversations we can complain about inflation all we want. I am really, impressed. Are, I mean, you you must have ones. a really great Intel team to know all this stuff because all no, this I stuff was written in French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was written in French. Well, okay, so Melanie's French first language, right? So I'm, I'm getting better. And I love French. I really do. Um, my confidence with it, that's why I play with it when I say it. But my confidence with it's not great. But I am working on it. And um, I think it was through one of your LinkedIn things that I actually saw this unfolding. And then um, and then uh, did my little reading and everything that I couldn't figure out. I, 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 well, I went to Google Translate for all the words that I wasn't familiar with, like fourchette. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> Um, so I had to look that up, but the, uh, so the, uh, but yeah, exactly. So the, uh, I, you know, the learning is there and, and just an invitation, I think for everybody to, um, to maybe do a little bit more. Yeah. It's out, uh, actually September 14th. Cool. Yeah. There it is. It's very yellow with a very cute little pig on the front with sunglasses. They, they did all the work. I, I, I deserve no credit. Uh, the publisher, uh, Again, this is my second French book in two years, uh, and I must say, I mean, publishers in Quebec are really cool to work with. They they leave me alone. I sign a contract. I write what I want. 
and then after that with the editing there's nothing they don't change anything barely anything that's cool yeah it's cool i love it i'll uh i gotta learn i'll write a book in french <laughs> <laughs> I'll see hope, how that goes i'll help you out i'll run I, i'll write the introduction for you <laughs> perfect but you have to do it in english just because it's ironic <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Sylvain. Appreciate the insight on Best Before Dates and all of this. My pleasure. Take care. This is The Shift Podcast. It's time for Game Showing. We'd like to welcome back Ryan O'Donnell. He's been away and we've missed him. Because Ryan went camping, today's theme is camping. Ryan? Oh, Bobby, it's good to be back. It's like, like I never left. It's excellent. Game Showy is going to the great outdoors tonight. We're going to play a full round of camping trivia. How well do you know the great outdoors? My friends, if you're new to Game Showy, the rules are incredibly simple. Our contestants, Shane Hewitt and Brendan Kelly, will pick a category and difficulty of the question. Tonight, we are playing for s'mores, the best part of camping, objectively. Yes. So, one s'more would be an easy question. Three s'mores would be a very hard question. Now, if the contestant gets the question right, you will hear this soothing campground sound. Well, oh, it's wonderful. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. I was expecting it, uh, Wheat Kings to begin there. You know, the tragically oh, hip. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Music yeah, guy. Maybe, hint, wink, wink. And uh, if it's wrong. Still it's a buzzer. A buzzer. It's still, still a buzzer. wrong. Now, the categories are as follows. We have camping equipment slash essentials. Camping locations, which I will say are all Canadian, and the camping experience, the highs and the lows. Now, we also have, yes, the text line special. This is a question that only the texters can answer. So it is randomly hidden throughout the show. If one of the contestants finds it, the texters are the ones who give the answer. Even if Shane or Brendan know what it is, nope, it is up to the texters to get it right. So if you hear this sound, that means you have found you have found the text line special. You're going to be looking for that. Now, uh, I'm actually going to give you the question right now, okay? So 877-399-9898. If you know the answer, text it in now. You could be the difference breaker in this trivia matchup. So the question is as follows. If you get lucky, you might just catch the northern lights in Canada. My question for you is, what causes the Northern Lights? Is it A, solar flares? B, particles colliding with gas in the atmosphere? C, changes in the Earth's magnetism? Or D, reflections in the atmosphere? We'll give those to you one more time. Solar flares, particles colliding in the atmosphere, changes in magnetism, and reflections in our atmosphere. 877-399-9898. Text it in now. If you know it, you could be the difference maker in this bout of game showy. What causes the Northern Lights Aurora Borealis? That is your question. That's what you need to know. All right, hit it, BK. It's time to get started. You don't 
know the categories, camping essentials and gear, camping destinations, and the camping experience. Ryan went camping, so we are too. On Game Showing. Bob? I can't quite remember who won last time, but I was pretty sure it's Shane. I think yes. it's pretty safe to assume it's Brendan. Always yeah, just won the last time. Won. Yeah, you just won assume the last it's time? Brendan. We thought a lot of if you now. don't remember, just assume it was Brendan. Probably That's pretty accurate. Okay, exactly. Shane, yeah. you're gonna get to go first. Sweet. Now I love camping, so I feel like there's pressure here. I'm gonna start with two s'mores and camping experience, please, Ryan. You love glamping. Sorry, could you repeat that one more time? Just had a, I had a brief little glitch there. Could you repeat your pick for me, please? Uh, Ryan, camp, camp, no camping experience for two s'mores, please. Okay, (laughs) for two s'mores, the camping experience. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. My question to you, Shane: Stargazing. Who doesn't like stargazing whilst camping? So. Here's your question. What constellation can be seen all year round in Canada? Is it Cygnus, the Big Dipper, Taurus, or Orion? Well, all year round, I I would assume that Orion's belt is all year round. Taurus, I probably have never seen it. Cygnus, Never heard of it. And uh, the Big Dipper, I know, looks like the spoon. And I see that most mm-hmm. often because every time I go walking, I see the big spoon. So I guess I would have to, although I swear you could see Orion all the time, but I'll go with Big Dipper because that's the one that I could find the fastest. The answer is, indeed, the Big Dipper. You just spooned yourself two s'mores. Yes, looking up <laughs> the <Loon>. iconic constellation. <laughs> Weekends. <laughs> Uh, yes, it appears as a little pot. Its actual name is Ursa Major, by the way. Uh, it's a circumpolar constellation, meaning it never sets and can be seen any time of year in our beautiful country. Excellent work. Shane. You know what the Little Two Dipper's called? Two for you. Pardon? You know what the Little Dipper's called? Ursa Minor? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's has them. Stupid. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm on game story. I ask the questions. There's no expectation for me to answer yeah. them. Uh, Brendan <laughs> Kelly, you are up next, my friend. Where are uh, we going? Okay, well, let's uh, keep it uh, keep it close, keep it tight. Uh, do two s'mores. Camping essentials. Camping essentials. Brendan Kelly, what is the best way, the most recommended way, to dispose of the human? waste that accumulates whilst camping in the outback do you burn it with the dump outback. it in a river like in australia <laughs> yeah i don't <laughs> yeah. know in the wilderness <laughs> it could be anywhere okay that's be, good i love yeah, that smell bad anyway so yes where what do you do with your human waste while camping do you a burn it b yeah. dump it in a river or lake c mm. bury it or d store it in bags and dispose of it after you're camping oh imagine carrying it around in a bag interesting (laughs) options you definitely don't burn it because that would just smell awful Mm -hmm. um storing it in bags also no that's not very being one with nature now is it um i think you channel your inner kitty cat and you you don't want to dump it in a river or lake no no 
I would feel feel bad doing that. To yeah, be you would sing the log driver's waltz as it floats down the river. Like we spend enough of our lives in the city dumping it in rivers and lakes, basically. Yeah. Uh, so when you're out in the wild, you channel your inner kitty cat and you bury it. That is, thankfully, correct. Yes, <laughs> I really like that. If you uh, if you have to go go in a hole and bury it and let it become one with the earth. It's good for the earth. There you go. Well done. What are you doing over there? It's a log driver's waltz. Oh. I don't think I've had the pleasure of hearing the log driver's waltz. You don't know the log driver's waltz? I guess you didn't grow up with the cartoon that was always on TV, uh, the log driver's waltz, no? No. This is older people stuff. Really? Older people. Yeah, us millennials here. <laughs> Old people. He's, no. he's dancing. He, Shane is having the time of his life. I right feel now. like he's not getting enough attention. <laughs> Shane, it's that a was good a song, man. There. That was it my childhood. There was a cartoon that log the the lumberjack log guy was skinny with a toucan dancing I'm around. Surprised you can remember that far back. Oh, it was black and white. <laughs> so. Very good, black and whites. Okay, well, we got a tie game. Two s'mores each. Shane, where are okay. we going next? Two, I'm going to two s'mores and camping destinations there, Ryan. Camping destinations. Here is your question. Maybe instead of camping in a forest, you want to camp close to the water so you can hit the beach. What slash where is the biggest beach in Canada? Is it? I mean, yeah, it's wow. yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. Yeah, there's there's other options. Sobble Beach, which I think is the second biggest, and then we got Long Beach and Tofino, Grand Beach Provincial Park in Manitoba. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Wasaga Beach, Georgian Bay, Ontario, longest Huge. freshwater beach in the world, almost nine miles long. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Never been. Looks nice though. Mm-hmm. Is, Need to go. Yeah, it's misleading. You would think Long Beach would be the biggest but it's yeah. not that long yeah. no apparently it's longer it's longer beach yeah. long longest beach That's what all right well change their name to yeah for four to two now i'll remind the listeners if you're just tuning in the questions camping essential essentials camping destinations <laughs> and camping experience are our categories let me interrupt here. Glenn says this sounds like the Canadian heritage moments from TV. <laughs> it does, yeah. I would, I would be honored to be a part of a Canadian heritage moment. Honored. Oh, that's so good. Anyway. Brendan, where are we going? Um, let us uh, do camping essentials again. I had luck mm-hmm. with that one. So yeah, let's do that again for two to right. keep it tied. For you. Um, let's do 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 do. Okay, here's the question. While camping, what is a fly? Is it a horse fly, a wire to hang dry clothes or clothes that need to dry, code for tents suspended in air, or the waterproof material that goes above your tent? Well, I've been on many a camping trip and had a few ones in the rain. Um, so I believe it is the waterproof material that goes above your tent, is it not? It is indeed the waterproof material yes. that goes it's over. The tarp. Pretty fly. The tarp. Pretty fly for a, a guy. 
<laughs> he's white. You can say it. It's okay. Yeah, he's really black and uh, white guy. Nice. He's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the tarp. You got to say it like Canadian the way. It's a tarp. Oh, the tarp. You got to put your tarp on the, on your tent. Okay. Well, um, boy, whoa. What are we doing here? Okay. Categories are camping essentials, camping destinations, camping experience. Um, I, I think I'm going to go to the essentials and Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to put some pressure on. I'm going to go for the, the hard question. I'm going for three s'mores of camping essentials, right? Okay, let's do it. So uh, if if you're doing three s'more question, it's safe to assume that you know everything you need to know about camping. And a lot of Canadians know how to camp. So my question for you, Shane, is what percentage, according to a 2020 survey, of Canadians go camping every single year? Is it 33%? 65 percent 47 percent or 53 percent go camping every year now that's misleading question first of all because i don't think it means like canadians that go camping every year after year i just think it means that like this part of canada could camp this year and that part of canada could camp next year therefore it's a math thing i I feel like this is a misleading question so i don't think it's actually going to be that high or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's going to seem higher than it really is because it doesn't mean everybody's going every year. Oh, boy. Now I've confused myself. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, okay. can you give me the numbers again so yep, I can? I, absolutely. Yep. So right. just the wording of the question is what percentage of Canadians go camping every year? Okay. 2020 survey. Recent. Mm-hmm. And now I will say that the hint I'll give you is that remind, remember COVID does bungle statistics this year. So keep that in mind. Now, okay. the Options are really popular for COVID 33%, 65 47%, and 53%. Well, it's very, very high. Like it was so popular, right? I mean, I, when I sold my trailer, I sold it for more than I bought it for. So that was good news. So it's either going to be high or low. I think that's my guess here. And I'm going to actually go with the low number. So I'm going to go with 33%, right? 33% of Canadians going camping is. Incorrect. That is not correct. Brendan, you got five seconds. Well, let's go with the high number then. Uh, 65. Oh, come on. Did you just price us right him? Well, you can yeah. do it because it's game showy and I don't care about the rules. That's correct. Yes. Oh, oh, nice. My rules. You Double stole my own I won both showcases. Crap. <laughs> oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, yeah, the, the estimate they got is 14.1 million households include someone who camps at least once a year. Here's some other camping statistics. The top factors in selecting a campground in percentage, 12% selected a campground on the availability of Wi-Fi, 7% selected a campground because it was pet-friendly, and this number gave me a little bit of faith in humanity. 56% selected a campground for its atmosphere slash views. Nice. I feel Nature. like the question was still misleading because your answer was in Canada, 65% of See, households includes someone I who knew. cancels every camps every year. And I your knew. question was what percentage of Canadians? So it's actually a quarter if there's four people in a household. See, so this is misleading to me. I could just tell when you said that, that you were starting trying to see doubt for when, if you got the question wrong, you could fall back on this, just like you're doing right the now. The answer says, the answer says in Canada, 65% of households include someone who camps. <sighs> so that's thir- that's 65% of someone, not 65% of 
everybody, which was with the question. I think I have a good argument here. I'm going for an appeal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, you, there's there is no an appeal process. Appeal. There's no there appeal is an official process. appeal process. So here's and and I've done this in the style of most government offices. So what you're going to need to do is file form eighty thirty three C dash two two two, and then I I'll will then pass out. that down. You're going to have to camp outside the Canada Ooh, uh, office, which is just my apartment. I can't guarantee you a spot. Bring a chair. Uh, bring some lunch, and then I will get around to it. All right, good. But we will, we will get into the process. It'll be like hey. it'll be like the Canadian government and passports and customs. By the way, you're flying yeah. in and out real quick, and by the yeah. way, it takes you hours and weeks. No. All right. Well, um, I guess that I guess yeah. I guess we're done because there's nothing oh we can do here. There's we're out of time. Holy well, God. he stole my answer, and it's his turn. No, I got the answer correct. It's not like I reached up there and stole it, or like well, you got cut, the, you, cut your mic off and took the answer myself. Which I, I do need to. I do need to give you credit. You yeah. did get the incorrect question and answer correct. Yes. <laughs> You're incorrect. Answer. You still win. Okay, stop it. I win. I was I was still probably getting it wrong. Let's just be honest. But the reality is is that the question and answer were inaccurate. I stand by okay. that with my appeal. I, I anyway, win. I win. You play, do hit the, hit the play thing. us out. Congratulations to Brendan Kelly. He is the big winner here on Game Showy. Ryan O'Donnell went camping, and now we're doing trivia about it. That's the way this works. Remember to get your pets spayed or neutered. Also, read the questions carefully, because sometimes they can be a little bit misleading, and we're standing up for shape right now. Damn it. Try to squeeze it all in, but I... The guy's heavy on the buzzer, that guy. Time's time's (laughs) up. Time's up. All right, thanks for playing along with Game Showy. If you want to participate, do you have any ideas for Game Showy, it's theshift.ca. We'll take it to our website. Please send the emails for those. I do appreciate text messages for your ideas, but the hundreds and hundreds of text messages we get, they're hard to track. So please send me an email, and we'll put it in there too. And um, we will... um, we will get to that. Now, before we're gone, let's hit the sounder for the text line special. Let's give away the answer, at least, before we go. We did not uh, randomly select that question. Um, so if you hit the sounder and then, Ryan, represent the question, and let's give away the answer so we, we close the loop on that. There it is. So the question, All right, so the was, question was? Yep. What causes the northern lights? The options were solar flares, particles colliding with gas in the atmosphere, changes in the Earth's magnetism, and reflections in the atmosphere. And what do you think it was, a- or Brennan? This okay. one, sorry. What, what, yeah, Brennan, absolutely. what do you think it was? Uh, I would have probably said solar flares. Yeah, I would have said solar flares. It's particles, maybe? It, so it used, the uh, old theory was that it was solar flares, but yeah. actually research yeah. in as 2019, they figured out that it's actually the sun's radiation, essentially electro, uh, screwing with the protons in our atmosphere, which then interact and cause the light show. So the official answer was the, I lost it, where is it? Auroras occur when charged particles, electrons or protons, collide with gases in the Earth's upper atmosphere, co- wow. producing tiny flashes that fill the sky with colorful lights. So the answer was B, particles colliding with gas in the atmosphere. Science. Ryan O'Donnell saw them for the first time this weekend with his very own eyes. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.